Okay, so as um, Mark said, we're talking about just people, God of justice. And the last probably few weeks, really, we've gone over the different um, aspects of what it is to worship a God of justice and, and how we can live that out. And one of the things that I, I saw kind of really continually coming through was this, um, this verse about you'll always have the poor with you. And um, I think last week, uh, Grant really brought that home with the way he, he talked about how God's intention and direction uh, in, when it was first written up in, in Deuteronomy was not, you know, you'll always have the poor with you, so don't worry about it. But he actually gave a commandment, you should not have the poor with you. And, and yet you're, there's a recognition you always will. And so there's always an opportunity for us to act out that justice. Um, and so I guess, you know, I, 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 I actually started out thinking, you yeah, know, I'll do something with that. But then, honestly, like, I feel like we've probably covered that, but, you know, you know we always have the pull with this. Okay, we're good with that. We understand a bit more about that. Um, and so what I wanted to do today was to, to look at a different verse that wasn't um, necessarily directly related to that passage, uh, and, and but it's another one that you, you'll hear quoted, you know, around the place. Uh, the longer you're around churches, you'll hear it a lot. Um, and it's faith without works is dead. And I, I, I always loved the book of James, and, and I found that you know it was always both challenging and inspiring to me in the way he wrote, writes about uh, how how to take your faith and make it real, you know, how to do something and, and really challenging on that area. And often if you hear someone, you know, speaking at a church, you know, standing up front, talking about faith without works is dead, uh, it's, it's followed up by a, you know, volunteer application form, you know, come and, come and help me out, I've got to do this thing now. And uh, faith without works is dead and, you know, so... You, yeah, you got, I've, got, I've got those here. <laughs> yeah. I think you know me. Um, so, I, obviously that's not what I'm doing here today. What I, I thought might be interested, interesting would be to actually go back and look at why is James even speaking like this? Why is this a part of his language? Why is he talking about you know, faith in these terms? Um, and like I mean we could have gone down the whole you know commentary Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of stuff but I thought no we'll keep it simple um, and we'll just go back a little bit and, and read uh, a bit a bit earlier so I'm going to ask for a volunteer uh, who wants to read just the start of chapter 2 of James for me It's a race. Who's, who's going to get there first? Um, you can read it however you want. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Shall I come and stand by you so you can get the recording of that? Uh, just chapter two of James. No, no, no. Just to start. 
My brothers and sisters, do not, do not show prejudice if you possess faith in our glorious Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your assembly wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, and a poor person enters in filthy clothes, do you pay attention to the one who is finely dressed and say, sit here in, in the good place, and to the poor person, you stand over there, sit on the floor. If so, you have, not, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, did not God choose the poor of the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who loved him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Are not the rich oppressing you and dragging you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the good name of the one you belong to? But if you fulfil the royal law as expressed in this scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show prejudice, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as violators. For the one who obeys the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you commit murder, you have become a violator of the law. Speak and act, speak and act as those who will be judged by the law that gives freedom. For judge, judgment is merciless for the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs judgment. Thank you. Awesome. That was, that was one, when I was reading through, um, and I, when I was reading through this, this passage, I, I got stuck on the idea, you know, like we all hear the quote, faith of that works is dead, mostly I think because it sticks in your mind. And it's one of those like tweetable quotes, you know, it's, it's just a punchy little line that gets stuck in your head and you remember it. Um, and we like to do things. Um, but when I was reading through, I'm, I'm, I got stuck on that last line there that you just read out. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'm like, well, how, how did that not get, you know, remembered or preached on or spoken about? You know, how is that not the thing that stands out in this passage? Because, you know, faith without works is dead is fine. I mean, it's good. It's, you know, like there's a lot we can get out of that. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, that's a, that's a whole different can of worms. And I thought it would be interesting to open that one up tonight. Um, and I guess like when I, when I was looking at it all, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, we, we love this God who you know, shows all throughout creation and, and the Old Testament, we, we read these moments where Essentially, we have a God who reaches out to us and man who pulls back from God. And God, you know, reaches out and, and makes a new way, a new covenant, and a new opportunity. And then man pulls away. And I guess when I look at why, why in the New Testament are we needing to talk about, you know, faith without works is dead, or why are we needing to talk about these things? When you know this is, we're, we've got this new covenant. We've got the empowering of the Holy Spirit. How is it that we're still getting it wrong? <laughs> like, how is it that we can't get this? You know, and and we're still living in this moment where God is reaching out to us, and you know, 
when things are tough and when things are difficult, yeah, we're more than happy to reach out and grab hold of him. But when things are good, it's like we almost forget you know, what he's done for us. We almost forget who he is and, and, and that. And this line just jumped out at me, this mercy triumphs over judgment. It's like, well, this is the nature of a just God. You know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not about, you know, what you deserve. And that's the whole thing of Jesus' sacrifice. It's not about what we deserve. And, and the way we live now is meant to be modelled after Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life. And so we, we have this opportunity to either express that mercy triumphs over judgment mindset or this justice mindset, this, you know, well, you know, it's what we deserve kind of thing. And, you know, it puts me in mind of those moments where you, you get around people who need something and, and it's like, James talks about, well, it's all well, well and good to say, be warm and well fed, but like, give the guy a blanket, you know, like, do something for him. Don't just say it. And on one hand, you have this thinking of, well, you know, he's there because, well, he's been abusing drugs and he's an alcoholic and if I can't give him money because he's just going to go on, you know, all those thoughts are tr- possibly true, possibly not. Probably not, actually. Um, but they're not really relevant if mercy triumphs over judgment. Because if mercy triumphs over judgment, then those things that are true, the guy maybe deserves his situation and maybe I work really hard for the money that I've got and it's all I've got and I need to... That's true, but it's irrelevant. You know, a God of mercy doesn't really care about why you know he says no i just i just love you and i'm going to provide and so we have an obligation to be that light and that salt that does things a little bit differently when we get out in the world and when we get around people who are suffering it's not just a matter of saying oh well you shouldn't have made that choice you know if you had lived a little bit more like me you would have been fine it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you can explain it. It doesn't matter if you can understand it. What you need to do is put your hand out and say, all right, well, I'm here with you. What do we do now? Because that's what God does for us. You know, he doesn't say when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be there at the other end and I'll greet you warmly. He's going to walk through that stuff. And that's what he asks us to do. You know, when Jesus said, you know, go into all the world and make a whole bunch of converts so you can grow a good size church with lots of people sitting in their Sunday services. Um, He didn't actually say that. He said, go and make disciples. And that was go and walk with people through all the stuff that they're walking through and be my representative in their life. Show them what it is to love God who loves them. You know, show them what it is to understand that mercy triumphs over judgment. So, I mean, this whole chapter, for me, it's not really about, you know, being religious and, and, you know, having works in your life as an important part of your faith or being a fulfilment of it. It's, it's not really, for me, it's not really about that. For me, it's just like a fulfilment of what it is to love your neighbour as yourself. And we've talked a little bit about that in this series as well. 
and we looked at the Good Samaritan. And I think the conclusion we can come to with that, you know, who is your neighbour question and the way Jesus answered it, it really comes down to, well, look around. Who's next to you? And who are you going to be a neighbour for? Right? He, he turned it around because he didn't say, who's your neighbour? He said, no, who, who are you a neighbour for? Because what, what did he ask at the end of the story? He didn't say, you know, who was... Uh, he, he said, who was the neighbour to the man who was suffering? He didn't say, you know, who was the man who was suffering's neighbour? Like, he, he flipped it around. And it's, it puts me in mind of, I think it was Grant talked about, you know, the, the Cain and Abel situation. And it's like, am I my brother's keeper? And God's like, come on, man. Doesn't, doesn't answer it. Just ignores it. Because it's like, well, you've got to work this stuff out. You've got to understand, you, you, you might not be responsible, you know, directing, controlling someone else, but you've got to be there. You're, you're his brother. You know, it's not about brother's keeper, it's you're his brother. You know, you're the neighbour because you're there. So for everyone in this room, they're your neighbour. Right now, they're your neighbour. And who are you going to be a neighbour for? How, what does it mean to be the neighbour? So, and, then, and James kind of gets through all this whole thing, he starts out with this love your neighbour as yourself and, and then he talks about, you know, this situation where the churches were treating the rich as, you know, favourites and they were allowing the poor to kind of just be sitting on the floor by their seats, all this kind of stuff. And, and again, I was, I, was, I was struck by that thought. How is it that with the Holy Spirit and with, you know, this new covenant that we're living under and... and how is it that we still get this wrong? These, these people, he says, like they were literally dragging him into courts and blaspheming against Jesus, and yet they were still being given special consideration in their services or in their meetings. It just doesn't make sense. And out of that situation, he, he says, you know, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And it's like that whole thing, you know, judge not lest you be judged. That's, that's this idea that we have on the one hand, and, and, and going back to what Grant said, you know, you'll always have the poor with you and you must not have the poor among you. Like there's a, a tension here. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, but mercy triumphs over judgment. It, it, it's, it's both, <laughs> you know. You can't separate them. They're, they're tied together and there's that tension that kind of just makes it work somehow. There's a recognition that you've got to live as if you're going to be judged. You know, and he, he said that in there. I didn't put it in my notes, but... He said, you know, live like you're going to be judged. Live, live the life as if you're going to face judgment. And it's not because you're going to face judgment, it's because that's how we set the example. That's how we are the light and the salt. You know, that's how we represent Jesus. Because it's, it's pretty important that we get that right. And when we show favouritism 
to people just because they're wealthy or they look good, we're missing it. You know, and Jesus says, you know, like the blessed are the poor because they will theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you know, again, this is referenced here by James. And he's he's, he's tying this all together to give us a, a picture about what what it is to live a life of mercy, to live a life of love, to live a life of faith. And like if you look at faith without works is dead, we, we've all got an idea of what that is. We've all heard that before. But this one, uh, this other one, mercy triumphs over judgment. Like I, I want us to get that to the same level. You know, I want us to have that with us all the time. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's not about the situation you see. It's not about why they're there. And the thing is, mercy and, and faith are really quite similar in, in this one aspect, which is that it's active. It has to be active. You can't have uh, mercy without doing something. You can't have faith without doing something. It, it's like... you. you it's almost like you do faith, you do mercy, you know, you do justice. You don't really have it, it's you do it. And like James says, you know, in that, in that whole passage about faith without works is, is dead, he says, well, you, you, you say you have faith and that I have deeds, but I'll show you my faith through my deeds. In the same way, you say you have mercy but if you're not doing something with it, is it a real thing? You know, is it just an idea? You know, is it just an abstract? And I think what James is really drawing out through, through this chapter for me is that love is, has, has to act. It has to act. And if we go back to the very beginning, the first few words in the Bible, you know, uh, in the beginning, God was so impressed with himself and, and he was really happy because there was no sin, no suffering, no death, no pain, no separation, no anger. And he thought it was pretty cool. So he, he said, that's great. I've got a good life. No, that's the shorter version. <laughs> that also didn't happen. <laughs> In the beginning, God had to create because God is love and love creates. And, has, and, and he can't even just create inside himself. He had to create outside himself. And it's like this whole idea of mercy and faith, it can't just be inside. It has to come out somehow. And we look at, like, again, going back to the beginning. God, in the beginning, God created because he had to. It's who he was. He's a creative God. And he's got this love inside him. And it's going to create something. So he created. And... So love acted, you know, in creation. Love acted in direction, you know, and setting boundaries, you know. Love acted in guidance, in forgiveness, in all of these different things. Love acts now in, in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, the, and the, all of those things, the guidance and the direction and the empowerment that the Holy Spirit brings to us is the action of God's love. And for us now, 
we have this opportunity to do something more outside of ourselves. And as much as faith without works is, is dead, mercy also triumphs over judgment. And so when we're seeing people in situations, we've got to come from that place of mercy and not that place of judgment. Because you, know, you can act on your faith and, and say, you know, be warm and be well fed and then give the guy a blanket and still be wrong, right? Because you're not coming from the right place. You're going to come from that place of mercy, not judgment. And, and I think what I've seen in, in my experience of, of working in, in, you know, soup kitchens and, you know, welfare centres and this kind of thing is that a lot of the time people are giving out of a place of judgment. You know, they're giving because either, you know, we, we get some well-off people who feel guilty about the fact that they've got money and other people don't, and so they give. But it's not mercy, it's judgment. And you get people who are volunteering and they're like hard, you know, and, and they're like trying to tell the people who are coming, the clients who are coming through about how they need to change their life and how they need to do this and stop doing that. And it's coming from a place of judgment. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's where the softness comes through. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes through. And that's where love comes through. And that's where lives get changed. And I just remember there was this one... um, I'm going to finish with this story. There's this one... um, One guy at, at the at the soup kitchen uh, in Doveton who uh, he, he had a pretty horrible run um, and so he was diabetic and all these things were going on uh, he got in, went, went into the, to the doctors and they said look you've got some problems we're going to have to amputate your, um, your legs both of them below the knee so he's in a wheelchair uh, the week after he gets back from that, his um, partner had taken his two-year-old son to Tasmania and he got run over. And then uh, the kid got run over. And then uh, the same week as that happened, his teenage daughter uh, in Western Australia um, overdosed. So this guy is really suffering, right? Really suffering. And he comes in to get a meal and to be around some people who can just love him because that's what he needs. He doesn't need someone to change his life. He just needs someone to be there in the middle of it. And we had a couple of volunteers who were maybe not coming from this place of mercy. And and this one woman was just stuck on her, you know the fact that he lost his legs because of the diabetes and because he didn't change his eating habits and he, he was drinking alcohol and he was you know having sugar and cokes and pepsis and all these things and he's like you could have managed that why you know you and like the whole situation was just broken you know there's this man who's suffering 
and this woman who's coming in to volunteer and to help out and to be a companion and to, to serve in the, in, and she couldn't work out how to love this guy. And I, I visited with him you know, a couple of weeks after, you know, and, and he was sharing, you know, some, some of these stories with me. And, and I just remember sitting there with him in his, in his room um, and I, I was just like, you can't do anything about this. It's horrible, you know? These things that are gone in your life, they're just horrible. And, and I had to apologise for the way that he was being treated in this place that he'd come to for love uh, and, and, and for food. But, I mean, like, the food thing is really secondary. It really is. And, and I think, you know, when you, when you read through that passage in James, that faith without works is dead passage and it's like, you know, oh, it's easy to say be warm and well fed, you know, blessings, but not do anything. But the thing is, if we do it from the wrong place, it still comes out all broken anyway, you know. And, and so my encouragement, I guess, for all of us, is where in your life is the judgment triumphing over the mercy? Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's all I got. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, Lionel. Plenty of food for thought there.